Hello, we're so glad that you joined us today. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. We believe that this teaching from God's Word will empower you to live a full, impactful life in Christ. As always, you can access this teaching and more for free on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. Let's get into the Word. And today we're going to cover quite a bit of ground. We're going to start in Acts chapter 7. Then we're going to touch on Acts 8, then Acts 9, and then we're going to end up in Timothy uh, chapter 1. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the worst sinner ever. Keep breathing, I'm not talking about you. It's going to be okay. But we're going to learn some things today. Father, uh, folks, brave the, the weather today to be in your presence, to experience the presence of your people. So, Father, meet us here. I'm going to talk, but you're really the one that's going to teach. Open our eyes, and may we leave here differently than we came, and we will not forget to give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. When they had heard these things, Stephen was about to become the first martyr in church history. His crime was that he taught that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He preached that Jesus was greater than the temple, greater than the traditions, and fulfillment of all Jewish law. And when the Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin pressed him on these issues, instead of backing up and turning around and just say, well, no one will ever understand, he gave the longest speech in the entire book of Acts. I believe it was Desmond Tutu who said, If you remain silent in the face of injustice, you are on the side of the oppressor. And Stephen understood that people's eternal destiny depended on the message of Jesus. And he would not be moved by the attitude of a few religious leaders. And Luke goes on in chapter 8 and he says, The listeners were cut to the heart. If you don't let truth do its cutting, you'll never experience its healing. As a surgeon slashes to repair you, sometimes God must break our hearts to save our souls. God never causes us pain because he just wants to hurt us. It's always because he's after something better for us. But scripture says they gnashed at him with their teeth. 
Now, we have two choices when we hear truth, either pride or humility. Either we soften our hearts to receive it or we harden our hearts to fight it. How many of you know that fighting God is never a good idea? It's never a battle you ever, ever win. But Stephen being filled or full of the Holy Spirit. Being full of the Holy Spirit is so much more than just speaking in other tongues. When you're really filled with the Spirit and life squeezes you, it will be the Spirit's character that pours out. His love, his joy, his peace, his long-suffering, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, and his, the last one, self-control. You see, I can't always govern events, but because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, I can govern myself. And the highest form of government is self-government. You can wait a couple seconds before you react. You can hold your tongue for just a moment to think about it before you say something. The Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us possess our reins and give us back self-control. And he gazed Stephen here into heaven and he saw something, even though everybody was not happy with him, God opened the heavens for him and he saw the glory of God and Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Now, when we read the Bible, we see that Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God the Father. But when you stand up for Jesus, he will stand up for you. So even though he was seated at the right hand, he has to stand up and give his Stephen a, a, a hand clap and an applause and salute him for his courage. Matthew 10 and 33, Jesus tells us this. He says, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. That's a tough verse of scripture. But what we see is even Jesus has boundaries. Ladies, you can learn from Jesus. If a man is ashamed to be with you publicly, you should be ashamed to give him your heart privately. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Skip to verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice. Get the picture here. These are, everyone on the Sanhedrin uh, was, was an older man. These were, you know, quite, quite distinguished. They had long beards. Often their beards were gray. And they had on special robes. And, and if anyone should have known, known better than the behavior we're about to see, it was these learned men. But they cry out with a loud voice and stop their ears like, like, like children wiggling their tongues saying, I don't want to hear what you're saying. And, but, but here's the deal. Some people don't want to hear the truth because they can't handle the illusions it destroys. And these very learned, capable men acted like children and they ran violently at Stephen with one accord. Why? Why? Because truth often sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Somebody over here said, this is my favorite side of the room this morning. Truth often sounds like hate 
to those who hate the truth. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, this is the Bible's first mention of this Saul. And the fact that he took the coats meant he was really cheerleading or instigating all that was about to take place. When, when I was younger and there was a fight between, you know, two young men, um, typically there'd be an instigator in the middle say, give me your coat, give me your coat, give me your coat. And it was always the dramatic taking off of the coat. But once the coat came off, it was about to happen. So these folks, you know, he's instigating, getting everyone's coat. We about to do this. And they stoned Stephen. But Stephen did not flinch. He was willing to pay the ultimate price. And sometimes we retreat, oh, you know, oh, they, 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 they might might laugh at me, they might frown at me. He was willing to risk his life, risk a stoning to share his confidence in Jesus Christ. Scripture, Acts chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death. The Greek here says uh, more than the English translation says. Saul did not just agree or consent The Greek here speaks of a person taking special pleasure in something. So there was kind of a a little, little sickness in his soul. On the surface, he had earned enough respect to be involved in the, 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 the most powerful, celebrated, august religious body in the land. But underneath it all, he was bitterly jealous of the success of the Jesus movement, like all the other Pharisees. In fact, when you read the scriptures, you'll read in Matthew 27 and verse 18, Matthew tells us that they crucified Jesus for envy. You see, the Pharisees were jealous of his miracles, jealous of his crowds, jealous of the way he articulated, the way he communicated, jealous of how everyone was talking about him, gravitating toward them, and they weren't gravitating toward them. And here we have uh, Saul, who later we find in the Bible is a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he has been taken by the same jealousy, he's been bitten by the, 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 the same bug. And, and, and just because a person looks secure on the outside, doesn't mean there's not a storm raging on the inside. You know, even more frustrating for Saul and the Pharisees was hating someone else's success never gives you your own. Skip to verse 3. As for this Saul, he made havoc of the church. Now, again, this word havoc is, is, is super descriptive. Um... It describes literally a wild, hungry animal biting its prey. So there was a brutality and an animalism that was operating through the life of this Saul. And you know, it's amazing how we can look so, again, distinguished on the outside, but, but the war sometimes that rages deep down in our hearts. 
and entering every house, he started dragging off men and women. And the only thing worse than harming a man is harming a woman. And he committed them to prison. And and as I said last week, prison was a, a death sentence in those days. But this is important. Envy is not just a thorn in the side of the person you direct it towards. It's also a cancer to the carrier. So when Saul finally met Jesus on the road to Damascus, God not only saved his people from persecution, but Jesus ultimately saved Saul from himself. Let's go to Acts 9 and verse 1. Then Saul... Three chapters here, still breathing out threats and murder. Now, how many are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Yeah. One of the Ten Commandments says, at least in English, it says, thou shall not kill. But more literally in the Hebrew, that's not exactly what it says. Uh, I, I should have looked this up between services, but my recollection says that the term in Hebrew that was used is the term harak, which literally means murder. So as a soldier in war, you have a license from the state to at times kill. But murder is premeditated. It often comes from lower emotions. It's it's vengeance. And the worst of us is involved in this concept of murder. So you had, again, I just want you to keep saying this outwardly, noble. Uh, the Bible says pertaining to the law, he was blameless, meaning he kept all the rules. Meaning outwardly, man, you would like, this is a guy. But inwardly, he's full of rage, anger, and bitterness. And he was still, three chapters later, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And eventually his words turn into action. So pay attention to what you say. And he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So Paul became so successful harming the Christians in Jerusalem, he wanted to take Murder, Inc. on the road and travel now to to a city 150 miles away and kind of franchise his hate. So that if he found anyone or any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. Now, this again was this incredible, outwardly pious, outwardly celebrated. He was literally a a genius, actually, and he he exceeded all of his peers at, at the time. The Bible goes on and tells us about that in other places. But the success of the Christians brought out a very, very serious mean streak in this man. And we all face a dark side from time to time. But this Saul moved in and lived there. You know, jealousy is really a backhanded compliment. It just means that somehow someone fears that somehow you live a life better than theirs. And instinctively, deep down inside, he knew these believers had the truth. 
but he wouldn't submit to the Christ and, and he wanted to go his, his, his own way and, and he knew that there was a joy that, that didn't make sense. Uh, when, when, when we look at Stephen's death, he looks to heaven and says, Father, forgive them. So there was a brightness, there was a joy and, and, and it, it, it bothered him and frustrated. How come I can't be that merciful? How come I, I, I'm so smart. I memorized the whole entire Bible, but, but you have these simpletons, these guys that just learned the Bible yesterday. They're, they're outshining us and there was a jealousy that that emerged and and the way he dealt with his jealousy was actually murders and threat and he journeyed and he came near Damascus a new city where he can cause more pain and then suddenly a light out of nowhere shone around him from heaven and we all know the rest of the story the light knocked him to the ground and he got up a changed man You see, when God calls you, you can come easy or you can come hard, but you are coming. 2 Timothy 2 and 19 says, the Lord knows those who are his. And you know it too. So why waste more years fighting, more time resisting, just piling up bodies in your closet? 1 Timothy 1 and 12. In Timothy, Paul picks up about 30 years after the road to Damascus. And by this time, he has grown from Saul into the beloved apostle, Paul. But this should speak to us. Since God waits to the end of our lives to judge us, maybe we should wait too. You see, no one could have saw what God saw in Saul. No one could have imagined underneath all that murder and hate was an apostle. Underneath all that rage and and, 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 and venom was a man that that, that would, would, would travel the globe taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And likewise, no one really could imagine what was in you when he first called your name. But thank God, God sees beyond the surface into who we really, really, really are. When friends from college, well, no, let me go back, high school, found out I was a preacher, they said words I can't repeat. Who could have imagined in that skinny, pimple kid, there was a man that would come to know God and God would use to take this gospel around the globe. So he begins in verse 12. He's just at the beginning of the epistle. And he's talking about doctrinal things that are important. But he has to inject. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul was flooded with grateful memories of what the Lord had done to him and for him on that road 30 years earlier. And if you think about your story, you'll be grateful too. It's hard not to be misty-eyed when you think about his goodness. 
when you think about all that he's done for me, where he's brought you from and how he carried you at times uh, along the way. Since the beginning of time, God has chosen the unlikely to do the unimaginable. And it's to his credit and to his glory that he would see anything in you and I. And he's writing important truths, but he had to kind of give himself a praise break. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Imagine knowing the entire Old Covenant, having it memorized, but not having the ability to do it. But you see, with the gospel, with the grace of God, grace not only pardons your sin, it enables you to overcome sin. And he said, and I thank Christ Jesus, as angry as I used to be, as bitter as I used to be, as, as, as sarcastic and as biting as I used to be. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into his service or ministry. Now, what we see here is God didn't call Paul because he was so talented, But because God knew that he would live a life of such gratitude, that he would do anything that God asked. You know, people say to me, you know, at this stage of your life, why don't you just take it easy and kind of just coast? But I say, you weren't there when he found me. You didn't experience what I experienced when he put his hand upon me. And I am eternally dedicated and indebted to the one who loved me first. And then Paul creates a list here. And sometimes you got to remember where you come from or where you came from to appreciate where you are. And sometimes it's just how soon we forget how it used to be. But not Paul. He said, although I was formerly, what I was, I'm not no more, but I was formerly a blasphemer, one who spoke against God and against God's ways. But God can reverse even our worst. And it's amazing, God is, you know, it's just an irony about God. He's, 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 just, he's poetic and he has a sense of humor. The man who spoke most vociferously against Jesus was the man he called to spend the rest of his life speaking about Jesus all around the globe. He says, I, I was a blasphemer. But then he continues left. List. He said, and a persecutor, and we just read about that. He not only disliked Christians, he harmed them. And an insolent, ugly, arrogant man. When Paul walked into the room, the arrogance and the pride and the self-righteousness was, was, was almost overwhelming. He was this outwardly, you know, highly respected man, but inwardly so mean, so arrogant, so blind, so unkind. You say, why 
would God use such a sinner? The issue is, sinners the only people he can use. There's a few of you looking at me like, what's... I don't care who you are. We've all done some things at some point in our life that we aren't proud about, proud of. Let me fix my grammar. Some things that we don't want to be reminded of. Things we just soon as forget. The fact is we were all ain'ts before we were saints. We all had horns before halos. Some of us still have our horns holding up our halos. But, but I obtained mercy. You see, if if everything you got is because you deserved it, you don't understand nothing I'm saying. You've been listening to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. We pray that God's word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org slash salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org slash salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.